a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Continuing to follow developments in the race for the presidency, plus all the other outstanding races here that impact Utah, including Utah's 4th Congressional District, that uh, very narrow right now, the difference between the two candidates, uh, about 23, 4, 500 votes, with Burgess Owens uh, leading narrowly right now. More votes to be counted and reported, expected maybe an hour from now, uh, Utah County and Salt Lake County expected to release some data here today. But that's not all. It may be a few days before we get through uh, certainly Salt Lake County's data. And we'll follow that here on KSL News Radio. Also, uh, some heads up later on tonight, Joe Biden is expected to address the nation. Not likely to take place during my show here, but as soon as uh, he does take to the microphone, you can count on hearing him here and anything the, the president or his campaign has to say, we'll share it with you here on Live Mike. Right now, though, <clears throat> I want to focus on uh, something that has just captured my attention uh, since Tuesday night, and it has to do uh, with what will likely be a record number of women to be uh, slated to serve in the 117th Congress, in particular, Republican women. There has been uh, a, a dramatic shift in the number of Republican women serving in Congress uh, due to uh, victories uh, enjoyed uh, Tuesday evening. And those uh, numbers have only climbed as more races have been uh, finalized and certified and called uh, since then. Uh, to help me understand what, what this means, how it happened, and to get some advice, uh, Mia Love, former Congresswoman herself. Uh, Mia, how are you? How are you, Lee? I'm all right. Uh, pl- pleased to be speaking with you. Uh, talk to me. W- w- what's going on? W- w- what is this historic shift taking place right now in the House of Representatives? Okay, so um, it, obviously what you see today is a result of a lot of effort that was done previously. Um, I was actually elected in with Representative Elise Stefanik from New York. And Elise Stefanik, um, her second term, was actually recruited by the NRCC, to recruit more women. And she, you know, wanted to actually do this separate program with the NRCC. And she was told no, that she can just go out and recruit everybody just the same. But she actually worked really hard on trying to recruit women. So it's so funny um, in speaking to her uh, today, knowing that I was anticipating this interview today, she said that it really hit her when she recruited over 100 women last quarter and when she sat there and all of these um the new freshmen um were were taking their picture this is last quarter she realized that there were only two freshman women on the republican side and there were over 30 on the democrat side um actually come to think of it um carol miller was one of them and young king from california kim was uh, uh, was the other one from california and she actually ended up losing the race um, even though she was there orientation-wise, she ended up um, coming short. And she said, this is absolutely ridiculous. And she said that recruiting is one step, but she needed to go a lot further and then stopped asking permission. Mm. She said, I'm not going to ask permission to recruit women in the NRCC. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to make sure I'm not just recruiting, but I'm following 
through all the way to the end. And I, I honestly believe if it weren't for Elise Stefanik, these wonderful women, 23 Republican women, um, wouldn't be elected along with the 83 Democratic women. I want to talk about the, the, the follow through and supporting through to the, the finish line, as you've described. But talk to me about re- recruiting. When you say recruiting, what does that mean? Someone is approached by an organization to say, hey, we think you ought to be in Congress. Well, what does recruiting look like when an organization or an individual is looking for someone to, to run for Congress? I, I thought it was a, deci- well, a decision made by an individual. really interesting. Elise Stefanik and I actually recruited Deidre Henderson when the third district seat became open after Jason Chaffetz left. And um, she agreed to run. And that is, there you go right there. She, she was recruited to actually run. Most women, if you, as opposed to their male counterparts, they don't just look in the mirror and say, hey, by the way, you could be the next congresswoman. Or you could, it takes a lot of effort to get these women to, to run. And statistics will show that when applying for a job, um, men will look for filling about 50% of the requirements before they apply for a job, or women will um, see if they fulfill or if they meet 100% of the requirements before they apply. It's no different for Congress. It's harder to convince women to run for office. Mm. And so we recruit women, but the problem is we don't see it through. It's more than just recruiting. You have to help financially. You have to help with media. You have to help with um, communication. It's just following through. And she told me that she followed through made sure that the NRCC didn't leave them on their own, that they were whatever resources or training they needed, which people, whether they realize it or not, really need to understand um, how to get their how to get their message across, how to communicate. Um, So I I really that's what I mean by recruiting. You go out and you can approach women and convince them to run, but it's got to be more than just that. Well, how about this? You have been in Congress as a Republican woman. There is a large uh, group of them entering Congress or will be in the 117th Congress. What advice would you give them? I would, first of all, say to realize that everybody fought their way there. And you get there and you think that, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I was able to get through. It's best for you to lay low, learn, listen. Um, you might learn something. You know, I've always I made it my motto not to be a show pony, but a workhorse. And then when you do that, you actually gain quite a bit of respect from your colleagues. And that is a really good step in getting things done, Um, being able to have people sign on to bills. Because if you go in there and you think that you are just the, you know, you you just made it through and you're just this number one person. And, you know, no one one really respects that. They really want somebody who's willing to put in the work to show up at the committee meetings, show up at every vote. Um, really earn their place there um, and show that they can carry a bill. So I would say work hard. Don't try and, you know, get those social media moments that may make you popular, but may not give you the opportunity to actually get something done for the people in your district. Do you think that's a you think that's a truth among members of Congress? Those who uh, are are most present in the headlines, who have the largest social media followings, are they less effective uh, as legislators, or are there those who are able to 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 balance that appropriately? You know, if you look at it, actually, if you look at the bills that were passed by people like um, um, Alexandria Casio uh, uh, Cortez, they're not as much as people who sometimes you know don't get. Um, 
don't get into the me- the into social media a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what you want to be popular for, right? You could be popular for being a, um, a you know, throwing bombs, as that would, as they would call it. Yeah. Or you could be popular um, with your district for getting things done. So there are a lot of people that have been incredibly effective that have gotten so much done um, for their district, but you don't see them as the bomb throwers in the headlines. So you have to decide what you want to be. Um and I can tell you right now that a lot of the there are a lot of people in the House of Representatives that I can tell you aren't very happy on the Democrat side that aren't very happy with the freshmen that are coming in that are just kind of disturbing things. They want they want to actually get things get things moving and get things done. So um, it depends on what you want to be popular for. So. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, thank you so much. Our time has expired. I, I wish that we could hang out here and, and chat for longer. I have plenty of questions to ask about this, but it's a, a fascinating development, some history being made. Uh, Mia Love, my guest, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I want to spend some time talking about uh, the lawsuits which have been filed and what they mean and what the impact of them will be on this election, if any, at all. And so as you hear about lawsuits being filed, uh, cases being made, judges making decisions, what does that actually have to do with the election of the President of the United States? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.